Last week, if you didn't hear our speaker, our preacher Dick Foth, you need to go listen to the podcast because he gave an unbelievable sermon on peace. And uh, he tag-teamed with us. Most guest speakers won't go right into the series and pick up the passage that we're talking about, but I gave him that option. And he took the passage that we talked about last week, which is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And he, his title of his sermon was, How Do I Get to Peace from Here? And uh, there's more scripture about peace, just a couple beyond where he started, that we're working on together here. So I'm calling this sermon today, How Do I Get to Peace from Here Too, with uh, T-O-O. Because we're just going to keep going a little bit, talking about peace and what the Lord's doing. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I just want to set it up from last week, what Dick talked about a little bit, and what the Word of God says. Don't fret or worry. Now, this is out of the message. I love the way it's written in this. It's, it, it's a paraphrase. The message is not a translation of the Bible. It's a paraphrase, but it's a great paraphrase. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Dick did a great job talking about those scriptures last week, and I'm going to pick it up from there but I, I want to add this, worry hurts our prayer life. As a matter of fact, it, it could kill your prayer life. Because if you're worrying, you're not praying. So through the years, believe me, I, I'm inclined to be a worrier. Um, <clears throat> and I have to discipline myself to do the things that the Word of God says. But the way it works for me at, at times there, at night is when my mind will be filled with things that need to be changed or could be going wrong. And if I start to think too much about all this stuff <clears throat> and I can feel it going sideways on me, I just get up and start praying. I just make my prayer list and start to pray. And sometimes I'll lay there and pray, but I, I've, I try to discipline myself is a better way to say it, that when that worry comes that I should stop it and start praying. The problem with worry is statistics show, surveys show, that most of the things, the highest percentage of things that we worry about never even happen. So you can see why it's just a waste of time. Uh, but prayer, worry won't help us with anything. It doesn't add anything to life, the Bible says. But prayer does. And Dick talked to us about that last week. We're going to pick it up from there. So we're learning to pray, turn our worries into prayer, and now we're going to see what God says even beyond that. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these people. You love them so much. You're so glad they're here because you know their hearts. They want to learn. Jesus, they, they want to be like you, and that blesses me. I want to be like you. So I pray that you'd show us what you're like today. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we overcome and find peace that God speaks of? Here's, uh, picking it up in verse 8, here's some things that I want to put before you, just how to get to peace from here too. The first thing I see in this verse is choose to value what God says about your, about your thinking. It's funny how we can justify our thoughts. We're really good at it because we're independent in America and we get to think what we want to think and nobody can make me think anything else. And, but if we would just start here, Choose to value what God says in the scriptures about your thinking. 
Okay, with that in mind, let's see what it says. Here are some key values. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So this follows up verse 6 and 7. We just read about worry and prayer and that peace will come when you pray. But in verse 8, just the next scripture says, one final thing, fix your thoughts. So now it's going to our thoughts on what is true. Look what it says. What is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, you and I, if we want to, we can think of a a lot of reasons that we can say what we say that's negative and let those negative thoughts go. Don't you realize how bad it really is? You know, that doesn't help if you just act like it's not bad. What I'm talking about today is not positive thinking. That's not what this is. This is God thinking. Positive thinking would say, I think what I want to think and I try to think uh, positive about it and everything's going to work out. God thinking might redirect you. Because God will tell you sometimes you're not thinking right or that's not a loving enough thought or you want that to work out but it won't work out even though you're thinking positive if you don't follow my ways. So God thinking is better than positive thinking because it leads to the most positive results. So, so it's not just thinking positive things, it's thinking these thoughts, what are these things? Um, you know, as we look at them, why, why should we think about what's good and lovely and admirable and true and honorable? Have you ever been given advice that you didn't take and you paid the price for it? That ever happened to you? I just remember when I was a little guy, and my mom said to me when we lived in Ottawa, Iowa on a big hill, she said, don't ride your bike down that hill anymore. And I had... Bikes were cool in those days. The, the banana seat Schwinn. Do you remember those? With the Harley handlebars, man. I could give four of my friends a ride on that bike, and you can't do that with these bikes today. They weren't quite technically as good, but they were just cool looking, you know. And I, I remember getting on my bike, and I followed her advice for a while, and then one day I was a little late for something, and I thought, I'm just going to get on a ride. And she told me the chain will come off. That's why... You know, I said, why, Mom? I've gone, been down that hill a hundred times. The chain might come off. Well, I did it for a little bit, and then one day I just thought, I'm in a hurry. I hopped on, looked back. She wasn't looking. Went flying down that hill. When I went to put on the brake, because you push backwards on those, you remember? It went, whoo, whoo. I looked down, and the chain had come off. And so, I, it, it, you know, a hundred-mile-an-hour crash ensued, <laughs> and I took eight stitches. And, and you know, when I... When I got the stitches, I remember thinking, huh, that was a good idea mom had there, after all. And, and, you know, that's the way it'll be in life. We have great parents who love us and want to help us, but in life, you can say, I don't want to think that way. I have good reason to think negative. I've been hurt so much, you don't know. You can say that, but here's the problem with it. It will hurt you. And it'll hurt, it may hurt you big time in the future. It'll hurt you with others because bitterness can come in when we start to think of all the bad things that, can, that have happened in life. And bitterness, the Bible says, will defile many. It'll hurt people around you. So are we going to value what God says to value? Are we going to try to work this into our lives? And before I read this list and explain what this, these, the definitions of these things, what's true and honorable and right that ensues here, Let me tell you that the person who best personifies these qualities in all the world is actually God himself. His name is Jesus Christ. And the reason we are followers of Christ and the reason we read the word is because we find as we read the word and we're trying to be more like Jesus, we find all these characteristics in the word explained about Jesus and how he thought and what he did. So really when we look at these things, we're looking at what Jesus did. So let's look. What does it mean to say what is true? Well, 
<clears throat> it means what is the unchangeable eternal truth. So if the world says this is good, but God says it's bad, we don't, we, we, we don't take uh, the world's definition. If God says it's good and the world says it's bad, we don't take the world's definition. Because we, we, we sift it through the word and we, we say, what is truth? And, and God has determined, God is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. What does honorable mean? Whatever becomes you as a follower of Christ and as citizens. Another version says, be honest. So this honorable, honest thing is, is, is as followers of Jesus and as citizens of this, uh, of this area, this world, we're concerned even about how things look to others. What is right, be a person who's concerned about justice. And even social justice could come in here uh, with this definition as you look at it in the Greek. But about justice and what the right thing to do is. So sometimes you get all kinds of pressure, but what's the right thing to do? Sometimes we want to think negative, but what if God says no? Uh, Let's say a suicidal thought would be this. Nobody cares about me. Life is full of pain. I'm going to take my life. And so many have ended their lives with, with those thoughts. But, but what does the word say? You know, what is the right thinking that, 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 that Jesus, it says, that the, the enemy comes to, in John 10.10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. So any killing thought is the enemy's thought. Any thought of killing yourself. As a matter of fact, I would say to you that it might even be the enemy's thought coming to you and you're not aware of it. You think it's your own thought. Jesus, when he was given thoughts in the desert before he started his ministry, and the enemy said, throw yourself down from here. He quoted scripture. Well, let me quote the rest of John 10, 10 for you. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you to the full. So when you have that thought, you have to take it captive and say, no, that's not right because the word of God, the truth of God says, and discipline yourself back to there and say, I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna trust the Lord says what's pure. This means to sincerely pursue purity with your mind and your body. Doesn't seem to be as highly valued by followers of Christ this day, these days, but the, the Bible says that the pure in heart will see God. So when we follow and, 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 and we say, okay, Lord, uh, what you say about purity, we're gonna value. And, and, and what you say about our thought life and what you say about our actions, whatever's pure, to dwell there. Whatever's lovely, and this has to be with to some degree with actions that were amiable people that were nice that were useful to others that really it's not language we use so much today but if you say oh that's a lovely person well, what it means is it's a person who has uh, charming and, and good uh, demeanor and behavior they're amiable uh, about uh, the way they talk and conduct their lives they care about people and you can see it whatever's lovely so we, we can't justify our behavior of crankiness because that, that's not really what the Lord wants for us. Whatever's admirable, this has to do with what's useful and profitable, uh, even public and charitable. That, that, the, that when we do the things that, that bless and help poor people, that, uh, that show that Jesus cares about people, those things are seen as admirable by the world. And you know, some of the things the world says about us are true, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that the media and and that people who don't like Christianity and, and, and don't like the followers of Christ, there's a lot of things they say about us that aren't true, but some of the things they say are true. <laughs> when they say we're not loving enough sometimes, that's true. When they say we ought to really be about helping the poor and not just ourselves, that's true. 
And so God's word says, I want you to, to live an admirable life where even those watching can see what I'm like and that I love and that I've come to serve the poor. And, and, and <clears throat> so these charitable causes, followers of Jesus should take the lead in these things because we're like him and he cares about them. And then whatever's excellent and worthy of praise, this means to carefully calculate and then promote things that are helpful. That's at home, in the workplace, and, and, and uh, in, our, in our cities, in our communities, and even in our churches. Think on these things. He said thought, now he says think on these things to hold them in high value. Recommend them to others. And it means even to practice them fervently. So Jesus is the embodiment of the character that we just read about. And as we search the scripture, we see these things in him everywhere he went. He treated the person in front of him like they were the most important person in the world. And we too often, we're just going through life just thinking about our stuff. And um, I get it. You know, I do it too much, to be honest with you. I think about my stuff too much. And so we're all in the same boat trying to figure this out. But what I'm finding and what we'll find is as we think the thoughts God wants us to think and they're thoughts not only of ourselves but others, our hearts get lifted up. That it's one thing to say I'm not being blessed. It's it's another thing to to start your day saying I'm going to be a blessing today. You see the difference between the two? I I don't feel blessed versus I'm going to be a blessing today. Because something surges in your life when you realize I can be, I can give that life and that love of Jesus Christ to someone today and it's a better way to live. Ephesians 3.19 says, may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Let me just stop and say, uh, that was Stephanie Campbell leading this morning and that was pretty young group on the stage, and if you wonder how I feel about it, I love it. I love it that we are an intergenerational church, that we're not just about old people and we're not just about young people. But isn't it cool to see a 19-year-old totally sold out to Jesus, talking about experiencing the love of Christ and how full and wonderful it is? And if the young people can get it, and if the, if the old people, if we'll just walk in it as followers of Christ, that he's awesome. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Second thought I see in here today in this passage. So first we need to value it. Value what he says. I might be thinking differently, but he thinks better than me. So I'm going to value what he says. Now, secondly, I'm going to put it into practice. Because you can say I value it, but unless you practice it, unless you're attempting it, it it ain't going to happen, right? Right? This, this is, this is kind of where I, I hear it every now and then. Uh, when's this abundant life thing going to kick in? It's not kicking in for me. And I hear things like, well, I prayed and nothing happened. Well, it's, it's, it's more than just praying. It's practicing. And I'm not saying perfection. I'm saying it's we're trying to put into play. All of us come from, come from different places. Sometimes I want to say to people who've had wonderful parents and a great, a great upbringing, would you, would you just be more compassionate for people who didn't? You know, because there are people sitting here who, who've, instead of a father's love, they felt a father's fist. And they don't go around going, yeah, my dad beat me and so I'm not very happy. How are you today? You, you know what I'm saying? But they've got stuff that they're working through. <clears throat> and, and 
And where, wherever you're at, <clears throat> whether you've had these really bad things or, or good things, we all have our issues, right? Sometimes because you haven't had anything bad happen or not too bad happen in your life, you, you're not very compassionate when others are struggling because you haven't known the depth of their struggle. You haven't known sin that came against you so strong. You haven't known circumstances that hit you right, right in the mouth, hard in life. So we may have to work on that. We're not compassionate enough. Others have to understand that though I had a really bad life and though I've been really wounded in life, this is still true. That I need to fix my thoughts on what he says to fix them on and that's part of my healing process. I don't want to diminish where you came from or the difficulty of that. I want to elevate what God says for our thoughts and then our actions. Put them into practice. I got it right from the word. This is, follows verse eight now, whatever's good and lovely. Verse nine, keep putting into practice. There it is. All that you've learned and received from me. <clears throat> I think of practice as an, as an athlete and how you, you, you do everything you can to get better and prepare. And then you try to put it in play when you get out there in the game. And you won't get it all right, but you're gonna be a lot better because you practiced it, because you've been working on it. And you're gonna have a better chance of winning. And so though you won't be perfect, you will be better as you put it into practice. Twice he said, <clears throat> he, he talked about thoughts. For, you know, the first verse we read, fix your thoughts and think about. So this is thinking now. <clears throat> and then he said, put it into practice. What, what, I, what I think people don't understand, and I, I really believe it, I think these scriptures show it, is that you are responsible for the direction of your thought life. I think people in America don't think that's true. You and I are responsible for our thought life. Say, so well, I can't help it if a thought jumps in there. Well, according to the word, you can. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we demolish arguments in every pretension, rather, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. What? To make it obedient to Christ. You can take a thought captive. Now, I don't even think every thought you have is yours, and that's a surprise to people, too. I think the enemy can just put a zinger through your head, and, but, but if we take it, it becomes ours, but we can reject it. And we might have been on something for a little bit where we're saying something negative and then someone, there's where correction comes into play that's really good if people who love us correct us and say, hey bro, that's, pull us aside, I love you, man. That's negative, that's your daughter. Don't say that to people. Something like that, right? Because when your daughter hears about it, she feels terrible. Then it hurts your relationship. And so we need to be corrected and if we're really loving and we do it right, it, th these are good things, not bad things, but even if we've had this thought for a while we, and when we realize it, we can take it captive and he, we can say, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm not going to receive that even though I've spoken it. I see it's set up against the truth of Christ and I'm gonna stop it. <clears throat> take that thought captive. But people will say, well, my situation's hard and yours is not as hard and so, you know, give me, give me a break and... Okay, so 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has. Wait, 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 wait. Because our thought is, nobody knows the sorrow and pain. But the scriptures say, another version, it's common to man. <clears throat> that whatever you're going through, 
There's millions of people that are going through it or have been through it. So you're not alone. And these words still apply. But you can trust God who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. Now let's take that to our thought life. So the thought comes and we're tempted because of all the pain we've been through. Well, he can even help us overcome that. But when you're tempted, he will also give you a way to escape so that you will be able to stand it. So you've heard me say it before. Um, This thought that it takes willpower. If we're going to do better in this Jesus thing and follow, follow Jesus, it takes my will and his power. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> when I agree with the value and start to practice it, that's my will. But that's not all that it is. When I have the right attitude and I'm trying to follow Jesus, I'm asking him to help me at the same time because I'm flawed and I know I have a tendency to be negative at times. And so as I say, yes, Lord, I value it and I step into it and, and begin to practice it, I also pray that he will help me. And then he comes with strength and power and, and actually, I start to think differently. And I start to have peace in my life. This week, I was <clears throat> on a plane flying to D.C. And a middle-aged stewardess came by. And <clears throat> she seemed very happy. And she asked how I was doing. And, uh, you know, just a cordial greeting. And I said, great, thank you. How are you doing? And she said, I'm doing extraordinarily well. Well, that's not what I hear from people most of the time, you know. And then she said, after all, it is a choice, isn't it? And she smiled and she went on her way and I thought, wow, I mean, that lady is up. She probably says thank you to the automatic door at Safeway. She's so positive, you know. So I, I, I had to know a little bit more. So she came by later and I said, hey, you know that thing you said about you're doing extraordinarily well and it's a choice. Um, You have such a positive outlook. Where did that come from? She said, well, when I was 20 years, uh, she said 20 years ago, rather, I had stage four cancer. And, um, you know, I was was able to to get past that in my life. And uh, to me, every day is a gift. Every day that I've had since then is a gift. How does this work practically? Because you know people go the other way with that stuff, right? I mean, you know we can go that negative side and God, where are you? And don't you love me? And Let's take that a general thought. Um, I'm just trying to practically get it down to how we apply this to our lives now. If someone says, and it's easy for us to land there because uh, American thinking... I actually love America if I'm sounding like I don't. I I love America. But American thinking is, I will work really hard, then I'll become really famous, and I'll be really well-known with a lot of money, and then I've had success. Well, how many people get there? Um, You you really don't want to pursue success in life. You want to pursue significance. You know, who has God made me to be and what should I be striding into right now with the gifts he's given me, the calling and the direction right in front of me? Mother Teresa just loved one or two people in front of her her whole life and it was world changing. And so it's just not right thinking to think of success and I, you know, I gotta be a big deal so God can show that I, that I have favor. So people will often come to this conclusion in their lives and this is what I wanna address. I'm never going to have a good life. 
I can't reach what I thought I wanted to do. I can't reach my goals. And people don't value me the way I hope they would. I'm never going to have a good life. I think um, if it's not that thought, it's around that thought that people have to struggle with in life. So let me address that. If we're thinking whatever's good and lovely and true and valuable and honorable, dwell on these things, what might they be? Well, where do we find these things? We find them in the word. We find them in the person of Jesus Christ. So if, I hear, if I'm dwelling on this thought, I'm, my life's horrible. It's not gonna get better. Here's what I need to do. I need to remember the scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster to give you hope, a future and a hope. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do things he planned for us long ago. He, he says your good work that he's done. He says he has a plan for your life. He says he's not done because in Philippians 1, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's still perfecting you. John 10, 10, which I said something about earlier, that these purposes to steal, kill, and destroy, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How did Jesus battle the thoughts of the enemy in the desert when he was tempted? He quoted the scriptures. And so when we hear thoughts like this, this is why we need to be in the word on a regular basis. We go, wait, wait, wait. That doesn't jive with the word. That doesn't jive with the person of Jesus Christ. I need to think what is good and excellent that's in the word and dwell on this. And so you start to pray it out. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan for my life. Thank you, Lord, that you say I'm good work that you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you're not done with me. And then we start to praise him for the things that he's already accomplished. And I'm telling you, we start to do this and even our mindset about life changes. So we say something like this, I'm not going there because, whatever that thought is, I'm not gonna go there to the depth and the dark pit of thought because God is good, because God loves me, because God has given me everything I need for life love, and happiness. It's not to say that the circumstances won't be hard. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that his peace is so amazing he can help us in the midst of the circumstances. And I'm saying that the circumstances we're in are not the circumstances that are going to be down the road. The key to this is believing that he's good and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Psalm 100 verse five. The Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Okay, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Sometimes I have felt, it's not right thinking, but sometimes in my life I have felt that God didn't like me. I don't know about you, but you know, other persons were doing better and seemed to be more blessed and I, you know, made mistakes and you know, I've, he probably doesn't like me. As a matter of fact, I didn't wanna go into ministry because I was a prodigal in my youth. I went away from God. God and he called me to the ministry and I kept telling him no no I'm the guy who messed up remember find somebody who's good I've been too much of a sinner and sometimes I've just felt that God that God hasn't liked me it's never been a right thought it's it's always been wrong every time I've thought it because he loves me I mean when your three-year-old slaps the neighbor kid you're not happy about it right but do you love them? I remember uh, that actually happened with Aaron one time uh, when he was three or four and he, some, he was looking at cards and some kid jerked him out of his hands and he hit him. 
So I took him out to the car and I, I, I stood him up in our little caravan that we had back in those days and I said, Aaron, you can't hit people, son. I want you to march in there and tell that person that you're sorry. And he said, but daddy. I said, no, no buts. That's never right. You can't hit, so that's not the way you do with it. You go in and tell him, you march in there and tell him right now. He goes, but daddy. I said, no, march. And he said, but daddy, I don't know how to march. Well, we're all learning to march, aren't we? We're all learning to, to, to submit to his word and his thoughts and not, not our thoughts because all he has in mind is, is you feeling his love. The closer I get to him, the more I realize how loved I've been all along. And his love, who can fully understand it? He, he keeps showing me more and more that he is love. He chose one way, one sentence to describe himself in the word. God is love. And part of life is discovering that I want to follow him because he loves me and all he has in mind is my best. It says in Hebrews 11, and without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we trust that he's good as it said in Psalm 100. And then we, we, we believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him and follow his ways. God will come through if we'll pray through. And if we'll uh, yield to his way. Fear rises up. I remember when I was a, um, a district youth director for the Assemblies of God in Oregon and I would travel and speak regionally um, several places a year. And one year I found myself in Alaska talking to youth pastors about um, reaching out on their campuses, uh, the, public, the public school system. And uh, I was encouraging them to go and to love kids and, and to just be there as a servant on, on their campuses. And the Lord had been blessing us. He's still blessing that. And um, when we came to the end, I wanted to pray for all of them that that uh, the Lord would just anoint them and bless them and give them favor in the schools. And so I called them forward and as I was praying for each one and I was just kind of moving down this line and praying, I came to this one guy and he was just crying uncontrollably and it was the wrong kind of cry. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. Sometimes it's a blessing of, of the Lord and sometimes it's a deep sorrow that's not resolved. And I sense that this was the one that's not resolved. So before I prayed for him, I leaned into him and I said, what's, what's the matter? And through his tears, he spoke and said, when I was on the high school campus as a student, is the most painful thing I've ever been through. He's just speaking through his tears. He said, I was a nerd. I was socially awkward. I was made fun of. And he, and he said, I'm scared to death to go back. Now he's an adult. And he's scared to go back. And that, that makes sense, doesn't it? And um, so I, I, I started to pray a bit and I felt the Lord gave me a word for him and I leaned into him and I said in his ear, do you think there are kids like you at, the, at those schools right now that feel awkward and unloved and that don't know that they're special? He nodded his head as he was still crying. I said, do you think you could go to them? Could you go for them and 
and loved them and helped them through the hardest time of their life. And then he went like this and he just broke and fell to his knees. And the Lord started to touch him. And that's not the best part of the story. The best part of the story is he went to multiple high schools. And at every high school he would go to, this is what I heard back a couple years later. He would have 20 or 30 nerds that would gather, socially awkward that would gather. And he would love on them. And this guy had maybe the best nerd ministry in America happening <laughs> right there in the high schools. And you know they're going to rule the world, right? These are the people that rule the world. And he loved them to Jesus. So sometimes our thoughts aren't, we're not thinking the right way. We're not thinking of what's good and excellent and what could happen. And I, I wasn't smart enough to tell him. I believe that the Lord gave me just a word for him in that moment. But when we seek him, he's so good. We see his, his thoughts and his words and what he wants to do. And, and then we find that when we respond to what he says, good stuff happens for us and for others. I wrote this down, those who fill their minds with positive affirmations from God's word set the stage for healing and make possible the wholeness that is God's design for all. So we value it and we move and we practice it. And the result, here's what happens, is peace comes to our hearts. Peace comes to the hearts of others. The peace of God will follow you as you follow God. Philippians 4.9. Then the God of peace, and remember this is sequential in the scriptures. We've gone through verse 8. You got the verse, first part of verse 9. Now here's the second part of verse 9. So, so, so we, we pray. Dick talked about that last week. We, uh, we value these things. Dick and I have both talked about that. And we practice them. Even though we don't completely get it sometimes, we say, okay, God, I'm going to go with what you say. And when we do, peace will come. The peace of God will be with you. When we choose to make our thoughts and action follow God's way, the result is peace. It's a wonderful thing to have from God. We get it from following His ways and not the world's, His ways and not our ways. So, so this may, uh, there, there may be a tension there as you hear this. As a matter of fact, uh, this, is a, this is a strange thought. But sometimes when it's exactly what I needed, my mind has thought so differently that when it comes, I know it's right, but I can't quite get it. And I've had thoughts like this. Wait, wait, wait. I, I don't get it. Uh, somehow I know it's right, but I, I don't, I'm not doing it. You know that, and, and I need help. And, and I, I think in those moments, for me, what I've done is find people who are good at whatever it is that I'm struggling with and then ask them questions. You know, believers who are mature and have this peace and think the right thoughts and we can see it in their lives and say, and then let, it, let them help us, help work us through our, our thinking and maybe just pray us through. But when we do, when we, when we decide and when we start following, peace, peace comes. So we've tried it another way. Maybe you've tried it another way. So how's it working out for you? You know, I want to say negative words. I'm the person who speaks what other people don't want to hear and are afraid to speak. How's that working out for you? 
Whatever's good and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Think the best of people and not the worst. You say, well, then they're getting away with this stuff. Well, don't forget that when you, when you keep that, those positive things that God's speaking to your spirit and you keep that good attitude, you're the one that they'll listen to the most because they see God in you. And you'll be the one that helps them change, potentially. They may come to you. <clears throat> John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. This is Jesus speaking. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Psalm 29, 11, The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Isaiah 9, 6, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then this title of Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. I like that title. It just rolls off the tongue really nice. He is the Prince of Peace. And he comes to help me. <clears throat> when he does, he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you power, but I want you to walk in this. Walk in it. So let me tell you about a time <clears throat> that I didn't have peace. Excuse me. <clears throat> Some of you uh, may have heard this story before, but I always think of stories like songs. You can hear more than once if they're good, you know. So I was a youth pastor here at this church called Grace Community in those days. The church was going through a tremendous struggle and the doors almost closed. Um, this was way back. Uh, there was a lot of discouragement in the people and as a result, probably in, in me. And um, I'd done my best and I didn't feel like it was working out as a youth pastor. I don't know if you've ever been there. You're doing your best. It doesn't seem like it's working out. And... Uh, I was praying the prayer, God, do you want me to go? Usually when people pray that, they want to go. Just, right? And so I was, it was painful, it was hard, and I and I'd hoped for something that was easier somewhere. And I remember calling a, a pastor and asking him if he was looking for a youth pastor, and I was looking for a change. And um, honestly, part of it was I was feeling like I wasn't doing that well to help. So, you know, maybe another setting, maybe I could, I could do better. And uh, <clears throat> I remember that pastor told me that they weren't looking for anyone now and it, it wasn't, you know, they weren't open to interviews. And I hung the phone up and I just started to cry. Wrong kind of cry again. Uh, there'd been some people who, uh, I got the impression that they didn't think I was doing a good job and they didn't, I didn't think they liked me. I think it was mainly because they told me I wasn't doing a good job and they didn't like me. Uh, <clears throat> probably what it was. But, <clears throat> you know, there's always people like that. And, um, and they even mean well. That's what we need to remember. They mean well. But it didn't help very much. And I think I was depressed and didn't know it. And I would just find myself crying about small things. Part of it was the sorrow that, that, that I didn't know what was going to happen with the church and God's people. Because we were in a tough place. Um, part of it was I felt inadequate. And my wife said to me, I don't think she said this <clears throat> at any other juncture this way. She said, I'm worried about you. This is not like you. 
So all that set the stage. I'm driving down the road <clears throat> shortly after in my little red stumpy Honda and I feel the, the, I hear the voice of the Lord. In retrospect, I can tell you this is true and, and, and this is what God says to me. I want you to praise me right now. So I'm feeling terrible. Circumstances are horrible and I say to God, the goal, but I said to God, but I don't feel like it. And everything's bad. Why would I act like it's good? And he was very patient with me and said, I, I want you to praise me right now. And I said, Lord, I don't feel like it. And I felt like he was saying, well, I'd like you to do it anyway. So this honest to goodness truth, I'm going down the road and I'm trying to be obedient, but I don't feel like it. So I go, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah, God, you're good. And with each word, something supernatural started to happen. And I said, Lord, you're good. And I just felt something filling up my soul. I said, Lord, you're awesome. And in just a minute or two, I was going down the highway, driving with my knee with both hands straight up in the air, screaming, Jesus, you're awesome. And he started to touch me. And I looked over and there's some guy changing lanes as he, <laughs> as he looks at me. And I came home, and I walked in. I didn't say a word to Karen, and she looked at my countenance, and she said, what happened? I said, I can't even tell you. All I can say is he touched me deeply just now. And things changed. I think it was God's loving way of saying, son, I really care about you, but you're not thinking right right now. I didn't know he, was, he wanted me to stay. I didn't know that there'd be a youth revival while I was there the next year. I didn't know I'd come back to pastor the very church that almost went under. I didn't know, but he knew. I wasn't thinking right. Sometimes we don't think right, but he's not mad at us. He's not. He's just loving. So he might say, son, daughter, I want you to trust me. I want you to praise me. I'll close with this scripture. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times. This is remarkable, this next line. In every situation. What? He can give me peace in every situation because it passes all understanding. Circumstances don't even have to change and he can give me peace because he's awesome. The Lord be with you all.